chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And a Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, it is a delight. I, I personally love Christmas being on Sunday. I think it's spectacular. And here's the thing. My daughter figured this out for us. We won't do this again for 11 years. So I'll be pushing 60 next time we have Christmas on a Sunday. So phenomenal. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> All right, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the very word of God. And you may be seated. And one of the most familiar sights of Christmas is the nativity scene, complete with Mary and Joseph, the baby Jesus, a few shepherds, no wise men yet. You know. Well, okay, if you must. But sometimes it helps to look at the familiar scene one more time and try to imagine what it must have been like. Slow down a bit and see if we can grasp its glory. For what the nativity scene is meant to tell us is that the decisive moment in all human history came the day that Jesus was born. No more waiting. No more advent. The time had come. Now, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke are our primary sources for the Christmas story. Putting them together, we can say that the only people who were informed about the identity of that baby prior to his birth were who then were the first ones to know about his unique identity after his birth? And here is the answer in the words of the Christmas hymn. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. 
in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Now, we don't really know if these shepherds were poor, and we certainly don't know if it was a cold winter's night, but it certainly was deep, if by that we mean profound rather than 16 inches of snow laying on the ground. Now, anyway, the Bible says that there were these shepherds in the area around Bethlehem spending the night in the field. The Bible says they were keeping watch over their flock during the watches of the night. I've never had a job as night security, but it doesn't sound very appealing to me. Sounds quite boring, or at least I guess I would want it to be boring. An exciting night on night security would also be a terrifying night, I would presume. I wonder how many nights these shepherds had to truly go to work, fending off would-be predators of the flock. I don't know if that happened on this particular night, but still, it was the most thrilling and, yes, even the most terrifying night that these shepherds ever had. First, the Bible tells us, of course, there appeared to them an angel of the Lord. His heavenly origins were made plain by the glory of the Lord, which shone all around the shepherds. And their response to the sight was typical for everyone in the Bible who ever encountered an angel. As the Bible says, they were filled with great fear. I wonder what they felt a moment later then when the Bible says in verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now that word host in Luke 2.13 is the word for an army. These angels appeared, as the New English translation has it, as a vast heavenly army. Yeah, you're not falling asleep when you see something like this. This is the kind of thing a night watcher is going to tell everyone about. This is heart-stopping, on-the-edge-of-your-seat kind of stuff, and certainly the most thrilling night that these shepherds ever had out in the fields. They weren't keeping this experience to themselves. Now, again, I don't know if the shepherds left the care of the sheep in the hands of some other shepherds or something like that. No idea what they did, but... What had just happened to them was not something that they could wait until they got off the clock with the break of dawn. They resolved in verses 15 and 16, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, and they went with haste. Now, meanwhile, the Holy Family must have been trying to settle down for the night. Mary wrapped her newborn baby in swaddling clothes and used a feeding trough for a crib. And like all new parents, Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph must have been hoping for a silent night. Instead, they received a loud knock at the door. At least that's how I imagine the scene. And when the shepherds came into the room, verse 16 says, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And that was the sign, right? That was the sign that the angel had given to them. This was the proof that what they were looking at, what they were seeing, 
was true. Notice that in verse 17, when they saw the baby, it says, they made known. Look at what it says. What did they make known? Not the sight of the angels, as awesome as that must have been, but rather what they made known was not the sight of the angels, but the saying of the angels. What the angels had said to them concerning this child. It was what they had heard from the angels rather than the sight of the angels themselves that had these shepherds excited. (laughs) Oh, that we Christians would share in this excitement. The real power of Christmas is not in the experiences that we have or the ones that we always seem to miss year by year. No, the power of Christmas lies in, verse 10 says, good news of great joy that is for all the people. The power of Christmas is found in what can be heard with the ears, even more than anything you could ever see with the eyes. So let's hear it again this Christmas morning. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And and then let us ponder what this saying meant to Mary, to Joseph, to these lowly shepherds. This baby born on Christmas Day, the angels announced, is a Savior. Because he is Christ the Lord, Savior, Christ the Lord. His birth in the city of Bethlehem, the city of David, was not only the fulfillment of Micah's great prophetic prediction, Micah 5.2, it was also of great national significance for the people of Israel. A savior from the city of David? This could mean, it could only mean that this baby was at long last the promised anointed one, Israel's Messiah, the Christ. But the angel said, he's not just Savior, he's not just Christ, he's not just Christos, he is Christos Kurios, Christ the Lord, and the word Lord is a claim of absolute sovereignty. So this is not just another baby born to a loving mom and dad on any given day of the year. Yeah, that's, that's nice. We've all know that scene well, and it's a joyful scene, right? You're with a newborn baby. We have did like 10 of them this year. It was awesome, wonderful, exciting. But this is different. This, the angels declare to the shepherds, is a child born unto you. The baby of Bethlehem is the greatest gift you or I or anyone else has ever been given. 
His birth is news of great joy, not just for the new parents, not just for Mary and Joseph, but even for these unnamed shepherds of Bethlehem. Indeed, this baby is good news for all the people. So ponder it. How is this so? How is this baby born to us? Now, by now, we've heard these identifying words of the baby of Bethlehem so many times that we're in constant danger of missing the power of them. After the shepherds repeated the saying of the angels that revealed just who this baby was, Luke says in verse 18, take a look, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All who heard it? I I don't know if there were now others present at the original nativity scene. Probably the shepherds went around repeating the saying of the angels to everyone in the neighborhood. They became, we might say, the first evangelists. And listen again to the gospel that they proclaimed. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they're going around announcing this to all the people in the neighborhood. And the response of the people who heard the message is described here as astonishment. If we understand the force of these three words, a Savior, Christ the Lord, then we understand this is history-making news This is the kind of thing that changes the course of human affairs. We were talking in our family this morning about generations, and my my adult children told me that the... um, their generation is defined as a generation who do have no memory of September 11, 2001. Yeah, those of us who went through that, it's like, changed the world, right? The world's never been the same. Well, that's what's being described here. This is history-making news. This is the kind of thing that changes the course of all human affairs. If what the angel said was true, the world would never ever be the same again. Now, many people, of course, would just go right on with life, unaware of how the world around them would be forever changed. But Mary, we read in verse 19, did not just wonder at the news, she pondered it. And surely you and I ought to do the same. And maybe if we did, just maybe, maybe on this Christmas morning, if you began to ponder again, what does it mean that unto us is born on this day a Savior, Christ the Lord? Maybe if we did, you'd begin to see the world in a whole new way. After all, These things took place, the Thomases told us as they read the scripture, the same scripture this morning. All of this took place in the days of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the heir to Julius Caesar himself. And after Julius Caesar was assassinated, uh, the Roman Empire 
began to be pulled in all kinds of different directions, different people trying to lay claim to the throne. Caesar Augustus, Octavius, was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And as he became the new Caesar, he stabilized the Roman Empire. His title, Augustus, means the revered one. His title made it plain to everyone who heard his name who this man was. Having ended Rome's civil wars and having restored the glory of Rome again, Augustus had inaugurated a time of, well, what should we call it? Unprecedented peace on earth. In fact, Historians will tell us, you probably learned it, we call it the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. This this is who Augustus was. Quite literally, he was known as the savior of the world. He was the true and rightful king. Well, so long as you pay your taxes to him, Swear to him your total allegiance and worship him. Yes, even worship him for the God that he now clearly is. And if you don't, there's a few crosses on the countryside that will fit you just well. But here now is a little baby far removed from Caesar's palace whom the angels of heaven have announced to be the real savior, the real king of the world. See, this is not simply a message about how when you die, you can go to heaven. This is a message quite literally about how the world is to be saved from hell itself. So all the people wonder, is this possible? Is this true? Is this really the one who's going to bring peace to earth? Can this be true? And you and I, 2,000 years later, might ask the question a different way. Well, what if it weren't true? What if he really isn't the Savior of the world? What if all that we had, what if there were no Jesus? What if there was no Christmas morning? Then all we would have is another Caesar and another Caesar and another Caesar. So ponder it in your hearts, brothers and sisters. Far too many professing Christians, ironically enough, are more like unbelieving Israel, denying that Jesus ever did establish a kingdom on earth, a kingdom the likes of which which Rome or Egypt or Assyria or Babylon ever dared to have imagined could exist. And yet... Ponder it. The world has never been the same since the first Christmas day. And from that first Christmas until today's, the baby of Bethlehem continues to be proclaimed all over the globe, the Savior of the world. What if we believed it? I just dare you on Christmas day to believe it. What might we do In verse 20, what do you do when the Savior has now arrived, the true Caesar, the true king, the one who's going to truly bring peace to all people? What do you do? Look at verse 20. Look at the end of our scripture. We are told the shepherds returned. (laughs) Just went back to the sheep. 
But they went back, it says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Perhaps now they saw that their labor, ordinary, unimpressive, watching over the flocks at night, it's now seen in a whole new light. It's no longer in vain because the king is here. And he brings with him a true and lasting peace on earth. This is a much better king than Caesar. Much better king than Augustus. Or any other would-be God. This king, this Lord, is pleased with his people. And all those who come to him in simple faith, will find him to be an endless source of comfort and delight as they return to their vocations in his kingdom and live out their lives in this world that Jesus came to save, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen. May that be true for us on this Christmas day. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. We who trust in Jesus, by his grace, through faith in his name, have been made children of God, citizens of a kingdom. There will be no end to this kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom established by your mercy, power, and grace. And so we come to you now believing, hoping, trusting you are the world's true Savior. You are the Messiah. You are the world's true Lord. We worship you. We glorify you and praise you on this Christmas day. In Jesus' name, amen.